Chicken Stranger Things But this is 27 So let's see what it brings No dead spiders on the mic Nothing to Just Mr. A, Special K and Harry No Stranger Things here Sixteen <laughs> more than eleven She was the chick from Stranger Things She had long hair, she had short hair We didn't know which part of the world we were in We were in the upside down, the downside up doesn't matter. This is the longest one ever. <laughs> oh, it's episode 27. Do that one again? Do that one again. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was, um, there used to be this crow I knew who loved helium. I think you sampled him. <laughs> do, the yeah. other, do the other. Oh, hold on. Everything's beeping. Uh, do the one at the top, Harry. That's like, yeah. That's nice, isn't it? It's a game of SBD or Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hi. I don't know if you noticed a higher quality of lyrics just then. I really did. I will say. Oh, you carry on. No, I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, not written by me. I've got a ghostwriter who I live with um, called Zoe. Okay. I don't like calling her Zoe. That's a weird thing. Well, calling her a ghost is a bit weirder. Um, yeah, well, she'd probably prefer ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you call someone by their name, it just feels like you're telling them off. Yeah. 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 That's how we that's how we, that's how we live. What's, what's, what's your un, uh, unaggressive name for her? Then? Pet name. Buggerhead. Buggerhead. <laughs> <laughs> like a true romantic. Written, lyrics by Buggerhead. Lyrics. <laughs> ghost quite good, actually. By Buggerhead. <laughs> so thank you ever so much. <laughs> Yeah, I will say like a couple of podcasts ago. Was it? Did you, Aiden, ask me um, what did I say to you? No, you said on the podcast right. that you feel like the songs are increasing in quality. Yes, and I was I confirmed that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I always know when you're listening to it because I always get a text from you, yeah. and it just says, "I just said I agree." <laughs> With one thing I said over the two hours. Yeah. I like to live text as I listen. That's a really good point. <laughs> Bring in the introduction. Okay, my name's Aiden. Yes. You are you are you are Carl. I'm Special Carl. K, Carl. Special K. And we are joined by the wonderful Harold. Hi. Have or you ever th- done introductions like that before? Or Harry. Uh he, I mean the hey. official name is Harry, but people call me Harold for some I, reason. I'm gonna call you Harry. Okay. Are you sure? You're, uh, <laughs> it feels like officially your your mama called you Harry. Harry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and you've just 
<laughs> called him Harold. I don't know why I called. I think because it's, it's from Harold Bishop from Neighbours, oh. so it, it is affectionate. <laughs> If there, I was worried. That's good. If there ever was a legend to be named after. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. I've peaked. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'd love to have, love you to have you here. Love you to have you here. Um, it, um, can you, in one or two sentences, describe um, who you are and what you do for the, for the listeners? No, probably not. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a try then. <laughs> uh, I am, my official title, if you will, is a professional session musician. Uh, drummer as first instrument, but multi-instrumentalist. And then outside of that, I do a bunch of other stuff as well, which I won't get into, but it's also a podcast, so I could. Yes. <laughs> long form, this. That's true, yeah. <laughs> are, you a he- are you a supplier of helium to crows? <laughs> <laughs> or is that... <laughs> I've got so much fun editing this. <laughs> that's, um, that's cool. That's, um, that's quite the dream job for a... Musician wannabe or yeah. wannabe musician. That is, yeah, I'm very is, lucky because yeah. it's kind of always been that, which is quite good. From birth, <laughs> uh, probably from. So I've been really lucky in the sense that I've always known that I wanted to be a drummer slash musician. Um, so pretty much since like when I played drums at about eleven. That's brilliant. Yeah. So from secondary school, supportive parents. Very, very so. Where, yeah. Is there a musical gene in the family? Where where did this come from? Kind of. Where, where's so the spark? That my family have been asking this for years. Why are you a weirdo? So why the bloody drums? <laughs> <laughs> I just go what? I can't what? Um, yeah. So my mum and her sister they always played piano, and I always remember as like a child, I'd walk in, we'd have the dining room, they would play the piano every Christmas, they do duets, and as a child, I'd love that. And then so I first started to learn. I think my first instrument in like year three was the trumpet. And I hated it with a passion. Oh. And then I played the piano after like my mum and my aunt. Um, and then from there, it just kind of like, oh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I carried on. So it's probably there. But apart from that, there's no musical sort of gene in the family. So, so how, how, did, how did piano turn into drums? Yeah, that's why I'm curious. Loudly. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember, so for my, I think it was like my 11th birthday, I think it was my grandma got me drum lessons because I was a drum teacher down the road. Um, oh, and that was the only reason? Yeah, and I was like, let's try this, because I like to try mm. loads of different instruments. Um, so we tried trumpet, tried piano. Um, the next thing was drums, and that's just the one that stuck. Brilliant. So, so there was no, you know, I oh man, I've just heard this song by Iron Maiden or whatever. Weirdly, or, no. no. Yeah. I've never really had that's cool. like no. huge musical influence. Okay. It's just kind of always been, I tried this and I really liked it. Yeah. Very cool. That's very different. That's actually... Yeah. Yeah quite a unique answer from what i'm remembering back to all the sort of uh, guests we've had yeah yeah That's yeah cool. so it sounds like the instrument found you in a way yeah yeah actually. and then you stuck with it since 11 you stuck with it and that's been yeah but the, but i first met you as a bass player <laughs> yeah i didn't know you were a drummer when i first met you weirdly a lot of people find that they're like oh i thought you were this thing but actually i'm a drummer first <laughs> it's very odd because <laughs> you were. Uh, when I first met you when I needed somebody to play my bass parts in the Paramore tribute band. Yeah. Because I was playing a wedding in the New Forest. Yeah. And you were playing bass in the Paramore band at the O2 in London. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, here's, what? here's your first depth gig. It's at the O2. <laughs> it's like, brilliant. Thanks. I, I say yes. <laughs> Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah. Really set the bar for that band, I would just say. That's, no, no, that's probably the best. That's probably the best thing they did. And I was, <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean, I don't, I don't want to, uh, 
respectfully, I don't yes, want to I agree. That down on the wedding in New no, Forest, no. it was obviously somebody's best day of the life, but but, um, but it wasn't the O2. No. <laughs> you would have hated it, Aiden. You would have hated I was it. Pr- okay, right, okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, but you stuck with me ever since because I've known you. Yeah, so, a long time. So I knew you as a bass player. Yeah, great, great bass player. Because those Paramore lines aren't easy. No. So the fact <laughs> you were yeah, obviously good enough to do those because they're hard. Um, and then we needed a depth drummer, and then yeah, and then, it was, was it James on drums at that point? James, James and Boyd. James Boyd. Boyd. Yeah. I think yeah, and James was stepping for Boyd. Yeah, that was it. Um, James couldn't make a gig, and yeah. then and then you were you were the man, and then that was it. Yeah, and that was it. So how long ago was that? Oh God. Uh, what would I have been? So that was on my first year of degree. Was it? Eight years? Something like that? <gasps> eight, nine years? We're don't, nearly at the decade. Don't, don't go uh, down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we've, been, we've been playing with each other pretty solidly since then, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start this project. All right. <laughs> oh, man. The rabbit hole of time. Oh, yeah. Don't. It's, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. But um, so going back. So. Oh, so, um, so it's piano, yeah, drums, yeah, and then and then just branched out with guitars, pretty much. Basically, yeah. just thought I was, you know, what? Why then? Why? Just, I, I, just a thirst for knowledge, or kind of, yeah, yeah. See, I've always been. And it's both a blessing and a curse. Is that I've always wanted to know how to do stuff um, in any subject ever. So if I saw something and I was like, I want to get to this end goal. I want to get to this um, level. Yeah, exactly. Rather than as normal people would look at someone else and hire someone else. I'm like, well, how do I do that? Yeah. Um, so I was really lucky, like you said, supportive parents, where I basically stole the spare bedroom at the bottom of the house and put my drum kit in it. And it was great. Um, so I've always played acoustic drums. I have no idea how my parents dealt with it. Um, <laughs> very impressive. But with that, it gave me the chance to be like, oh, I'm going to try bass in like secondary school. And then I like took the bass home and just learned it. Um, same with guitar. And I'd already played piano. So that immediately means MIDI keyboard. And now I can play every instrument ever. That's it. And it's just kind of spiral from there. Yeah, in this yeah. day and age, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. We was, I was talking to um, my work colleague, chap called Matt, who is a bit of a multi-instrumentalist himself. And he, he, was, he was playing Oingo Boingo. <laughs> And we were, and um, is that Danny Elfman's? Yeah, band? it is. Yeah. yeah, amazing and amazing stuff. And we were listening to it, thinking, and it was it was probably on the birth. We were thinking this must have been on the on the cusp of MIDI yeah. creation. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it just you could just hear that every song was that vibe. You know yeah. that sort of MIDI created vibe and the. <laughs> it, it always it, goes like a hundred and ten percent, and everyone's like, oh, "This is amazing!" And then it's like, oh, "We should probably, probably back yeah, we should yeah. bring it back a bit, bring it back a bit." Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, greatness, greatness. But then. So did that lead to, uh, uh, you know, did it lead to creating your own music at an early, early kind age? Kind of. I, again, similar to the how did I get into drums, it's kind of a weird answer. So in secondary school, I met, well, as I was going through, I was always in the music department just constantly because that was just the place I felt most comfortable. So I was always involved with like the uh, performance assemblies and that sort of stuff. I remember one year, I think it was in like year nine or year eight, um, and there were these guys from like year 10 or 11. They were, re- they were the guitarists. Um, and they basically looked at me and went, can you play Avenged Sevenfold? And I was like, uh, never heard of that. What's that? <laughs> Sounds easy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, it's, they- a bit, it's a bit like Mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I hear. And yeah, and they're like, play, like learn, I think it was like Afterlife by Avenged Sevenfold. So I learned that. And then they were like the... Um, 
the band. And we formed like the original band and we did that sort of stuff. But as I progressed through like my career, I always, I never like, I'm going to say spoke with original music. I never really enjoyed writing original music. I always really enjoyed um, essentially playing other people's music, yeah, whether yeah. that be in yeah, any session remit or something like that. So I have done it. But again, I just didn't really blend with it. No. So I've never really done it. That's cool. Which is funny when I think you asked me, Aiden, uh, do you have any like music that you've been mm. on? And the answer is kind of no. Mm. I do have some throughout the years. But yeah, because I've never really done uh, originals recordings. Yeah. Yeah. Means no, which is very odd. When you have been heard quite a lot in this podcast already. Have I? Yeah. Because <laughs> whenever we play Sheik to Sheik, you are, oh, yeah. you are the man <laughs> providing the funky beats. That, that is true. So there's a lot of videos of me in doing like covers or like musical theatre or that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. No originals. Oh, it's yeah. all right. That's good though. But it's just, just uh, yeah, it's just the avenues, just the different roads we yeah. go down, isn't it? Exactly right. that, yeah. It's cool. But how old are you? Do you mind me asking? No, it's all guess. Go on. Your <laughs> early 20s. Oh, good get. 25. There you go. Yeah. So you've got shitloads of time. Oh, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. And I'm sure you'll arrive at something, you know what I mean? That, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing, yeah. That's great. So you mentioned Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah. Who are the early influences once they actually came in? Oh, it, well, yeah, Avenged talk, Sevenfold. You, you, so can like, talk, you can talk bands, you can talk players. Yeah. So that was probably the first point in my like drumming journey. Is that, that, is that like, when you got into rock? Was yeah. that a similar thing? So that so at that point, uh, I'd not really been into anything. I was just kind of into like whatever I was playing at the time. Right. But as soon as they introduced me to that, it was then like, oh, this is really cool. Um, so I learned, <laughs> oh yeah, I learned like the back catalogue of all of Avengers. On drums? drums. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have, I mean, that's quite, that's quite a, that's quite it's a, quite a big introduction, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it really is. So I say, here's a double pedal. <laughs> okay. But that that's kind of the good thing is because I didn't know anything else really. So that yeah, that was the introduction. So, oh, so do you think your? How do I politely ask this question? Go on, ask it rudely. No, no, no. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I'm, um, I'm, I listen. I, I watch. I'm going to mention skateboarding. Yeah. Kids nowadays have played Tony Hawk. They played skate. Yeah. And they do, and they in the computer game you can do a 360 flip into a nose grind. Yeah. And then a you know into a blunt slide and into a manual out and all this sort of stuff. Back in the day, that was just not. That just yeah. wasn't something that happened. But kids are playing these games and then going out and bloody doing it on skateboards now, and, and it's crazy. So do you think your lack of um, knowledge of mm. what's around, you just thought, for me, I thought playing the bass was how Flea played it, because that's the first yeah. influence I sort of had. Yeah, so, pretty much, yeah. Is that how do you think it was? Like, I think so, because I was at that point, it was right on the cusp of like, YouTube was a thing, but it wasn't like a, here's how to play this song and here's how to do it. It was really like early days. Yeah. Yeah. So I still learned it by just listening to it over and over again, just trying. Um, So yeah, I think so. So I was like, oh yeah. Who was the drummer for Revenge Sample at the time? Rev. Yeah, thank you. The Rev. I was like, he's a a good drummer. I'm going to be like him. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out it's really hard. (laughs) I find it's actually a lot of um, technically gifted musicians. Yeah. Like yourself, Harry. Oh, stop Um, it. <laughs> how, how, do do have this? Um, it's also a mindset of not being scared or inhibited. Yeah, by these I amazing know. drummers and bass players and things. And also, I mean, I mean, lucky enough to be to get into that at an early stage because a lot of people I think who are starting drums mm. um, wouldn't find the most technically demanding drumming as the, as the as the access point. Yeah. I mean, if, if you said I've been drumming for a week and I like the White Stripes, it wouldn't surprise me too much. If you said I've been drumming for a week and I like Avenged Seven Golden Dreams, um, Dread Sevenfold and Dream Theater, yeah. I'd probably yeah. be more surprised. That yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I never really, yeah, I just didn't have that. I was like, yeah, I can do that. Um, 
And what the funniest part was, was the only time I could practice that. So I didn't have a double pedal at home. Um, so I was like, well, how do I do this? And so the only part that I could practice was like, at school. And they had like the really terrible um, electric <laughs> kits that they could get for as cheap as possible. Um, Gear for music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the way. Yeah. So it was this really off-brand electric kit that I was trying to play double pedal on, which I managed to unfold with these like year 10s trying to smash through the guitar parts. I just... Um, yeah. Just listening to you now, I'm, I've just suddenly had an, an extra sympathy sort of vein open up for your folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was no... I hope you were singing along at top volume as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you like that, Mum? Yeah, it was great, darling. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this also the house that's a bed and breakfast? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, that's so, brilliant. That's priceless. So my mum and my grandma owned a bed and breakfast at the time. My grandma sort of worked in hospitality, so did my mum for years. And so we had sort of like, we had the full building, but half of it was a, a bed and breakfast. Well, the full thing was, but we moved into half of it, so it could be the full-time job. Um, and I remember in like the reception area, so it was an eight-room bed and breakfast, and my mum had put up a sign that was basically saying, like, we have a drummer. It's like, uh, beware of the dog. It's- <laughs> yeah, it's beware of the drummer, yeah. <laughs> I could never play beyond, like, 6 p.m. And I'd always be really conscious of that because, you know, there's guests and stuff. But the amount of compliments of like, really? oh, I really like the drummer. Yeah, <laughs> bonkers. Amazing. Like if I turned up to a hotel now and I was a drummer, I'd be like, shut up, mate. Try to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> and that's, that's when you're part of the wedding band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. it's bonkers. I've got all these, uh, I've got visions of all these OAPs <laughs> asking for Slipknot covers and... Yeah. Can you do uh, Can you do Rain in Blood? <laughs> do you know my sugar? <laughs> oh, oh man! Yeah, so man. I have no idea how they managed that. So they this, did. Was, this was secondary school age. Yes, was so it? I would have been whatever I was in year eight, twelve-ish, thirteen-ish. I think fourteen. Oh wait, no, yeah, it's about thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So playing eventually unfold. So <laughs> progressing through secondary school. Yeah. Getting better at better. At Drums, playing with bands, Loud, louder and louder drums. And... Yeah. Uh, did you take music GCSE? I did. Yeah, On I was. Course. Yeah. So that was my only A star that I got into in uh, GCSEs. The rest was average season. Same, same for me. Yeah. <laughs> <I was like. laughs> Academic can't do it. Music, I've got that. Spent, <laughs> spent your life in the music department. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, exactly, percent. Yeah. I always spent it, including like breaks and lunches. I'd always spend in the music department. Um, so it meant that whenever they were doing an event or something that I couldn't hang out in the music department, I'd walk into the playground and go, I don't, I don't know what to do here. I don't know, how do I, <laughs> how, how, do I how do I deal with these? How do I, yeah. these how do I socialize? Who the, who the how hell do are these other people? <laughs> You're here as well. <laughs> just, just speaking, just speaking drum notation. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys heard of Ben Stanford? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's nuts. That's nuts. That's a, that's a different, that's a very different world, isn't it? Yeah. But, but. Why? It was obvious you were going down this route from an early age yeah. then, yeah? It was yeah, obvious. Yeah. So why waste time with anything else? That I know I know you've got to, you know, you've got to learn <laughs> seven or eight words sort of yeah. via English and you've got to learn some numbers yeah. and to count and all that sort of stuff. But because I think isn't isn't it the schools in um is it Sweden or somewhere like that, which you know, like my mum used to say hmm. there was a kid at her school and and God bless his soul, he was he was tup. Yeah. You know I mean, just, just, he was just dumb. But, <laughs> and this, and this is my mum was saying this, and I'm like, mother, you can't say that. She's like, Carl, there's no other word for me. He just doesn't get anything. Did you he's, say tup? 
Tup is, I think, is Welsh for stupid. All right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but she was, but, you know, and she's saying, but he's seven years old. Yeah. He can poor kid. He can <laughs> wait. Wait, 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 wait. He can see. <laughs> She'd written him off at seven. But he could, no, but the thing is, he could strip a car engine. At seven, uh, yeah. he, he was—he's never going to be anything other than a car mechanic, is he? And let's face it, you know yeah. what I mean. And why pursue anything other than that? Why not? In, I think they do that in these schools in Sweden. They—they they right. push people towards thing vocations that, yeah. that they're going to be, you know, because he loved it. He just loved it. I know you've still got to learn maths and English, but, but I don't know. I think it's a really good question, and I don't really think I've ever thought about it. I think it's just purely because, um, kind of going back to what I was saying, where I really wanted to know how to do stuff. So I think it was just my natural curiosity towards that sort of thing. So I always knew that I was going to be a musician um, and so did everyone else. Um, but I also just really liked rules. So I couldn't break rules. I was like deputy head boy in secondary school. Always ah, have a shirt tucked in. Ah, you still have the badge. Yeah. I bet you kept it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, was, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't just have one badge, Aiden. I had plenty upon oh, my, my I've got, Have you got them tattooed? <laughs> <laughs> deputy head boy. <laughs> A shield with a stripe through it just above your left nipple. <laughs> I just introduced myself. I'm Harry. Have you seen my shield? <laughs> uh, but oh, yeah, no. so I think it was just that where it was just. Um, so, yeah. how does that? Let me. You're talking about rules. Yeah. There's a lots of musical rules. <laughs> yeah. And there's lots of musical rules to be broken. Yeah. Do you struggle with that? No. You don't. All right. <laughs> I think it's because that is so subjective. So, there's okay, rules, yeah, yeah. kind of. Um, there's rules if you want to do something, but mm. it's also kind of just general guidelines. Um, and also, I was playing drums too loud to notice them. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 A start at GCSE. Yeah. And then I presume you took music in college? Uh, that, so, that was when. So throughout all of this, I had private drum lessons. Um, From and the man down the road. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the guy called Russ Tarley, who's incredible. Um, and I was really lucky that he lived literally down the road um, because he's the one that sort of nudged me to say, don't go to college, just go straight to ACM. Um, right. And just go, yeah, straight, because he knew that I wanted to do music just, and drums. And just, yeah, just straight up to the specialist college, <laughs> do the diploma, do the degree, and then graduate. Um, that was terrifying. But yeah, I did it. So yeah. I was... All, watching all of my friends go to what would have been like Haven and South Downs. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, right, I'm off to Guildford. See you later. But you were 16. How are you commuting to Guildford and back? Uh, or did you just, literally move up there, did you? No, no, just getting the train every day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, at that. So, oh, yeah. So at that point, my dad got me a, from his work, they were doing like a scholarship for like their gifted kids sort of thing. It was just a, a work thing that they did. Um, so he put my name in. Being like, oh, let's try this, see what happens. And yeah. I got the scholarship. So yes. I got a scholarship too, yeah. That Winner. covered my diploma and half of my degree. Oh, because you wouldn't have got a loan at 16. No, you? yeah. Oh, right. so, and especially for, um, not higher education, the one before that, further education. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. Right. So yeah, well, I think it does now. But yeah, so okay. that's the only reason why I managed to, to get a, with the scholarship. So yeah, straight into... Wow. Yeah, that. Fast-tracked. Yeah. And it was also a... Uh, accelerated diploma and degree. So it was one year of college and then straight into two years of degree rather than two years college and three years degree. Okay, okay. Um, so we, would you have been at ACM with people that were generally older than you? Who would have been that after college? Uh, it was really a big mix. So there's okay. a few like me, um, a few, generally about two years older than me. But because I'd hung out with like all the year 10s and 11s when I was in secondary school playing Avenged Sunfold, I was kind of used to it anyway. Yeah. Um, I was always a little bit older in my brain than I was 
even though my surname is younger, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. This is um, I'm just trying to think. Oh, you you know, you've, that's dedication, isn't it? When you got yeah. to go to Guildford every day, but it's, five I days a week. Yeah. Just, Fun, funding British Rail. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks Those very old much. Beans. Yeah. It shows. You know, there's not many 16 year olds I know who would put themselves out that much. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's but did you ever have doubts? Not at ever? all. No. And that's, I think, why I could do it. Because at no point did I think, oh, I've got to get the train to go to Guildford. I was just really excited to, to be get there. there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's brilliant. All I could see. Yeah. Um, especially having then, like you say, coming out of secondary school where I had to do all of the other subjects. And now I'm just going to a specialist like, Shiny lights, great college. So you've never had any, I don't know if you think, even if it's afraid, like musical fear. Like, oh no, you, you were yeah. young. I mean, what am I trying to say? Like when you're young, you're just, you're sort of, you're not, not dumb, not the right word, but you're just, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you just took, go, took, you? You're just like, took, ah, what's the right word? Took. Took. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. Do you come out of voice back? No, but um, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> No, but they—they've they got no fear. Yeah, and that, that was you. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And just no fear. Just like let's do this. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Both and what barrels. really didn't help was, and I didn't realise this until I did my degree. So when I went into diploma, all the content that they were giving me in my classes, I could already do because I'd had private lessons at such a high level. Not Brilliant. to be like, look at me. Um, but that's what private lessons do. Um, it meant that I was just like rehashing content I could do. So I sat in the class being like, I can do this. Ah, oh, this is fine. I can do this. But what that meant was that was a whole year of me being like, I'm incredible. Um, <laughs> so it was when I got to degree. Um, so yeah, that helped with that. I yeah, say. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm amazing. I can do this. I can do this. And then I got to degree and the level difference was so high um, that I just basically spent the first three months being like, that was when the doubt hit. Because You're like, like, I can't oh, do this. Oh, shit. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what happened? But that's the, that's the good part. That's yeah. the challenging part. That's the, exactly. the bits you should thrive on. Yeah, 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 of course. Great. And that was actually where I met Pete Riley for the first time. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. Lovely guy, Pete. Pete Riley. Um, well, you, actually, you probably know him better than me, to be honest. Uh, he, the best way to describe Pete, he is uh, just the most amazing drummer I've ever heard to this day. He was a player for Guthrie Govan oh, um, on his Erotic Cakes album. So he's a recording drummer there. He's toured with lots of fusion players that has gone out of my head. He's playing with but, the Manfreds right now. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. He was playing in Eastleigh the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, oh, yeah. Wow. He's, and he was a tutor. Yeah. Okay. And I'll always remember being in like a degree class and he was, he was left-handed, um, which is normally a detail I would miss out. But for this case, it would be like, he's left-handed. He would show some exercises and be like, right, this is how you do it. And we could all play along on electric drum kits, but good ones this time. Yeah. Um, and then he'd be like, right, this is how you adapt it to make it harder and then harder and then harder. And then eventually you'd see the whole class just stop playing because we just couldn't. And then he'd be like, right, this is how you do it even harder. Um, and, and you could adjust it like this. And then he'd do like five-way coordination, which is all four limbs and speaking. And he'd also just be looking out the window down at the road, just watching it go by. <laughs> looking, as we're all just sat there going, oh. checking out a subway, yeah. <laughs> thinking what he's going to have. I'm going to have a meatball marinara. <laughs> and he's a lovely guy and incredibly fit. And yeah, oh, he's he's amazing. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's truly amazing. But he, one day he walked in, um, being like, I'm going to I'm going to play right-handed today, and he just learnt it and oh, was man. still better than all of us. <laughs> Damn him. <laughs> He, he's uh, he's the head of drums at Waterbender. That's how I know him. Oh, cool. So I see him okay. every, we were both teaching on the same day on a Tuesday, so I see him every Tuesday at Brighton and Oh, nice. We have, a, we have a chat over a coffee. He's a nice guy. <laughs> Brilliant. So how was your time at ACM generally then? I actually had an amazing time, yeah, because that was the first time I'd been in like the real life industry. So that's where I met a lot of the guys I work with now. Um, 
but to see players in the industry that were like, yeah, the real deal was incredible. So like I've had players like a guy called Brian Henry, who's a keyboard player and he's the musical director for Soul to Soul. Um, I've got Paul Geary on bass, who was the, what well, is the bass player for Nick Kershaw, uh, Sister yeah. Sledge, like all these huge players. I was like, yeah. wow. Um, and now I'm fortunate enough to work with them. But at the time it was, it was just, yeah, baffling that I'm like, you're right there. And I'm right here. <laughs> Do you think a part of that is because you were so fast tracked into it that you might not have had the two years in college that most you know, yeah, where people are exploring and playing a bit more and out gigging, whereas you were like straight to ACM. Yeah. But I did have those experiences in ACM. But I think it was so much like I'm doing this and it's so extreme that I didn't kind of see the left and right of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess when you you and you're so involved in that world, yeah. you have a different perspective on it. Yeah. Because you're straight in. Yeah. And I didn't know anything else. So mm. that was just that was it. Yeah. So that was just how I did it. This is it. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no other path. This is the way, I, this is the route I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. It's madness. For someone like me, who I always say, you know, I never went down this route and, I, you know, I don't know if I should or shouldn't have, but it's just mad. It's like, it's, it's great. Yeah. Is it, is it a guaranteed in to the music industry? Uh, it depends how you treat it. So even as a tutor now working at ACM, um, my big ethos is if you go to a music college, any of them, um, it's making sure why you're going there. So if you're going there to get better at your instrument, I would say, nah, get private lessons because that will be like okay. 10 times better. If you're spending the same amount of money on private lessons than you would go into a degree, then you'd be way better. But if you're going there to actually have the connections to get yeah. into the industry, then it's yeah. the networking side Exactly, of it. Okay. because that's where all the, the sort of the players are, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's like the hang yeah, exactly. For yeah. the players, in the, you know what I mean? Yeah, but That's you're it. forced to hang out with them because you pay them to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to hang out with you. <laughs> have to hang out with me. <laughs> so through those years there, yeah, you were obviously introduced to lots of drummers, yeah, um, people that you're playing with, mm -hmm. and influences from bands like all that sort of stuff. Yeah, who do they who do they tell you about? At these, awesome. Do they tell you about John Bonham? Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah. yeah, I was okay. in a Led Zeppelin tribute band, but that's what I still am, definitely for. It's great. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Well, as soon as I discovered old Johnny Boy, I'm yes. like, oh, here we go. Um, yeah. So as part of the course at that time, anyway, it's changed now. Um, you kind of do like different genres and things for every okay. week, and that will be within bands. So you look at actually how to play the song in a band, but also as just drummers individually. So we'd have a class of like, here's how you do the technique of it, but also here's the drummers that did it. So that was the point where I was introduced to all of these other drummers mm. that wasn't Jimmy the Ref Sullivan. <laughs> I, it went from one to, <laughs> to everything. 18, 19. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Any favourites from that, from that era? Oh, um, so many. I mean, that's sort of where I actually branched out from rock into everything else now. Okay. So now I wouldn't say I'm a rock drummer anymore. I would say I'm more into like the funk, soul, um, like just groove stuff with yeah. a mix of fusion and all that good stuff. So that's, that's what crafted that sort of That's bloody handy seen as you're in chic to chic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Although we do, yeah, we do rock out a little bit more than we should be funking out. So like, <laughs> or not rocking out enough. <laughs> yeah. I haven't brought my double pedal yet. Eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, that bloody Avenged Sevenfold uh, track that Niles wrote years <laughs> no, ago. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> that he shelved that you guys have found it's right at the bottom of the Wikipedia list That's of all the songs yeah. right at the bottom <laughs> no it's good because like um, well like Police Drummer 
Yeah, all, um, Cop- Copeland, all those guys. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is it all the classics, or do they oh, bring yeah. some obscures in there, or both? Yeah. Sure. So, like, here's it's the great. classics, and here's some other guys that try yeah, to steal yeah, it yeah. and do their own thing with it. And yeah, it's. I think the amazing part about that was not only being shown the drummers on videos as you normally would, but having guys like Pete actually show here's how you authentically play like them, yes. and here's why you play like them, and why they do that sort of thing. Um, that's what was truly amazing about it, because that was sort of the difference. I was like, oh, I can play differently and do different things. And then Brilliant. I was introduced to Vinnie Conleuta, which was just a yeah. with Sting as well. Oh. Seven days. Seven that's, days. That's one of my yeah. all-time favorites. Yeah. Oh yeah, what which was recorded twenty miles from here. Was it really? Yeah, it's up in Salisbury. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, you know the song um, what, Fields no, of Gold." No, the video is not. No, the actual. To... No, it was in Sting's house. It's was in it? the studio, okay. which is just like this side of Stonehenge. It's just it's just north of Salisbury. Wow. So "Fields of Gold" is about Wiltshire Fields. That song is incredible. You can, yeah, me and Kelly, we did a drive. You can drink, you can't see the house and you can't see, you just have, you can't go in. You have to drive Sting! By. Sting, I love you! Sting! Sting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and the fields of gold about the fields around Stonehenge and stuff. Wow. Ah, so now every time I do a gig that way and we drive past Stonehenge, I think of Sting. Think of Sting. Yeah, yeah, yeah think of Sting. Yeah. Think, yeah. think of his golden fields. And then what, <laughs> so when you think of Sting, what else do you think of? Oh, don't do this to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just... Um. I actually, funnily enough, I don't think of any of his songs. I think of a story that a uh, a friend told me who worked with Sting, was really lucky to work with him. And um, so he he was going on one of his tours. So that was when Sting left the police and did his own thing. Um, and basically, so this he was a guitarist and they just sessioned with him, just part of the band. Um, and basically Sting requested that he go to his house and learn the parts, meet him, that sort of thing. So the guitarist went to Sting's house. Was uh, it the Tuscany house or was it the Salisbury house? I believe the Salisbury one. Yeah. I believe because he's a British guitarist. What? Um, Tuscan? He's got a house in Tuscany. Oh, if you haven't seen. Sorry, oh, I'm, wait, I'm, I'm no, yeah, that that live performance. That is that is his joint. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's got a vineyard and stuff. There's an amazing gig with Christian McBride on bass. Yeah, um, Jason Rubello on keys. Wow. Um, doing like these really amazing jazz versions of these of these Police and Sting songs. I forgot what it's called, but I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, That's, yeah sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> I presume the British house of the Salisbury one. Um, yeah, and he turned up to this like, amazing house. Um, and he's like, you know, is Sting in? Is he, is he around to play? <laughs> Mr. Sting. Um, is Mr. Sting in? Sting. <laughs> and yeah, apparently he like, walked in. Sting was on like, this yoga ball in his yoga studio, um, just sort of like floating around. And it's like, come on, man, have a seat. And it was on a yoga ball. And it was like, they just they just talked rather than play or anything just to see what it was like. And then, yeah, wow. he went on tour with them for, I can't remember how long, but yeah. Amazing. So that when you say, what do I think of when you say Sting? That. <laughs> think of yoga balls. All the amazing songs. Yeah. Carl, were you thinking about tantric sex? Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course I was. Yeah. It's a natural road. It's a natural road. It's natural. He ruined, he ruined himself by mentioning it, didn't he? Face it, face his it. own fault. Yeah. yeah. I also think of his, um, the most expensive bass in the world. That I think it's a 50 whatever it oh, is. Oh, the P-Bass he plays. The P-Bass, yeah, yeah. with the, just the one pick. I mean, oh, that's just an incredible piece. Which he still plays all the time. I know, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like and he must play old. with such volume because he's so gentle with it. Yeah. And you're like, but he's still there. He's still present in the songs. And it's incredible. Like, And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because you know, palm muting with his thumb. It's yeah, all, yeah, he really must like, be yeah. cranked. Yeah. Little, you know what I mean? So he's great. But that's seven days. Just made, that's just amazing. Yeah. Everything about that with the guitar, yeah. like, guitar crosses over the and everything about it. So it's a, it's a. I think a lot of it is down to Dominic. Dominic, um, Dominic is it Dominic Miller, the other guitar? I guitarist? only know Sting and the drummer. Uh, <laughs> I what, think the way he crosses over the beat and 
Yeah, he's got he's had a guy Dominic has been with him. I think he wrote the guitar part to Shape Shape of My Heart. Is that right? right. That's an um, amazing like classical guitar song. Yeah, he's brilliant. So that I presume that would then work with now we're getting nerdy, uh, with like Vinny's hi hat patterns, which would then make a song in five feel like a natural oh, that's song. The, yeah. the key, isn't it? That's the that's, that's the, the secret. Trick. Yes. Um did Vinny play with Zappa? Probably. You think he did? They yeah. played with everybody. I'm gonna have to I might have to check with Andy. I saw I saw him play with Sting in um Hammersmith yeah. Polo. With, oh, with Dominic and yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. he was on drums. And then Dominic's son was on the other guitar, I think. Wow. That's brilliant. Funny, yeah. It's called Back to the Bass. So his thing was actually playing bass and yeah, it was a proper rock, a rock, rock group. All in the name. <laughs> What's he doing, I wonder? Oh, he's back to the bass. <laughs> <laughs> he's off the yoga ball. Yeah. He's back, back to, to the bass. bass. <laughs> <laughs> so have you heard Sting's son's band? I oh, know we're, we're, we are random. We're going off on one now. But um, I don't think they've done anything for a long, long time. But they're called Fiction Plane. Okay. Oh, that's so good. Really? Yeah. Does he sing? Two, yeah. Does man. he sound like Sting? Oh, my God, does he? I think yeah, it's... I don't, I don't Spotify, we can do our old 30-second thing. And oh, yeah, no, nice. Get him, get his, um... while, while you find that, I always find it odd when people, like famous musicians' children, then do something musical because I always feel like they're always in the shadow of them. Even well, if they're incredible in their own yeah. right, it's always Sting Sun. Or, I, yeah. I feel for this guy because he was... he. he I read an interview with him and he was saying, look, I tried for so long yeah. to not sing naturally and try and put on this other voice. But when I just, when I sing naturally, I just sound, Could like, you say I sound like my dad. He's, he stings naturally. Oh, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> he's a great bass player as well. The album's great. Fiction. I don't know any of this. Yeah, Fiction Plane, man. They are really good. I think they were like really huge in Europe. They used to, used to see videos of them on YouTube playing really massive festivals. Wow. And I'm like, what? And I was obsessed with them for a long, long time. Um, I can't remember what the um, is it. Two daughters. The song. Are you looking them up? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> thought we had a joke. I thought we had another tangent here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a track called Two Daughters" that people. Should, I think it's Two Daughters," but um, okay. okay. Oh, 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 and it's it's not in their top ten. No, is it not? But I, but I take your word for it. Oh, maybe it's not called Two Daughters." Anyway. <laughs> But it's great, great, great music. Shall I put some on? Yes. Can we? All right, okay. I'm going to put some it. on. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it safe here, seeing as I don't really know the band. I'm going to go for their top their top hit. What's it? What is it? Which has had 292,000 listeners, and it's called Where Do We Go From Here? Ooh. All right, that's off the second I one. think Back that's to the right. Base is where we go from here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, let's do it. Um, so we, we went through a bit of a journey there because <laughs> I, play, I, I played one song. Carl immediately told me off for playing the wrong song. <laughs> he told me to play another song called Two Sisters. Two Sisters doesn't actually exist on Spotify. So we ended up with Out of My Face. So what are they going to hear when they listen to the podcast? Out of My Face. Can you just combine all of them? And play them all at the same time. Yeah. But <laughs> I implore people to go to YouTube 
And in fact, I'll just have and look up Two Sisters. It's a great song. And what's the top comment? Top comment is this should be on Spotify. So <laughs> <laughs> I you hear it then? I, no, it's on there. I'm sure. I don't know. No, I don't know. Stupid I don't Spotify. even know how I found them, to be honest. But it was a long, long time ago. And um, Are they still going? When was there? I don't know. Two Sisters is a great track. It's um, it's just classic. And and, and I was going to use that one as a go to YouTube, look it up, and there's a version there, there's a live version as well, which is really great to watch. But um, it just it's just we were talking about how he sings sounds like his dad. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. not a bad thing because things got one of the most amazing, oh, amazing. Oh yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah. So um, I've been sat here in fear for the last hour because Aiden, you started this by saying you've got questions for me. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I have prepared a quiz. Yes. Um, which puts fear in me. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I'm not even taking part in this one. Because <laughs> the last quiz fear. I did was a Chili Peppers one, and I had to figure out what a song was with 0.6 of a second <laughs> of a backing vocal. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be that, but with drummers, knowing yeah. Aiden. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, so um, we spend a lot of time with each other, that is, don't we? I can confirm. We quite, I mean, over the last few months, we spent a lot of nights together. Well, it's possibly years. In different like... rooms, but but together. Um, <laughs> what, what's one of our favourite topics, topics of conversation? Oh, oh God. Is it going to be Mike Mangini? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I say, can I, I think I know who you mean. Yeah. Sledgehammer. No. No. That's Peter Gabriel, isn't it? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, not Sledgehammer. Who is it with Paul Gilbert? Oh, um, I don't know. Oh, that's another thing I'm looking up. You oh, carry yeah. on. Might be, might be, that sounds like Mike Mangini might have done that. He was with was, Extreme for an album, wasn't he? Was that the first question? No. Good. No, no. It's okay. So what I've done. <laughs> Is I have, um, I'm, I'm going to test your drum knowledge, right? Because I've, oh, no. I've got little extracts, ex, extracts. God, you sound tired today. <laughs> Extract of uh, Mike Mangini's playing. Oh, great! Dr- uh, famous Dream Theater songs. Okay. And also Mike Portnoy playing the same Dream Theater <laughs> song. And I want you, Harry Younger, to tell me which drummer it is. Okay. For the listeners, I really <laughs> like Mike Portnoy. <laughs> Mike Mangini is okay. <laughs> Can I just change my? Um, my thing, uh-huh. not sledgehammer, jackhammer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> was it Mangini? Yeah, um, I don't. I think is it. I don't know. Hold on. I did well, say oh very confidently. There. We'll have to work out. We'll have to. I'll work it out. I'll work it out. <laughs> <laughs> Keep you busy. Carry while we on. Do the quiz. Carry on. <laughs> okay. All right. Me. So the first thing I'm going to play. Um, these are live, live extracts. Okay. okay. These from live performances. Okay. Um. And I know what you're thinking because you're a, you're a clever chap. And you're thinking, oh, okay, the Mike Portnoy stuff. If it's a live recording, it's going to sound a little bit shittier than the modern stuff. But don't <laughs> I, let did, that, don't... I didn't think that because of the live recording. <laughs> <laughs> don't let that lead you down the wrong track because some of the Mangini stuff is not as well recorded. But okay, um, the first song is going to be the introduction to Six O'clock. One okay. of these will be Mike Mangini, and one of these will be Mike Portnoy. Okay, you have to tell me who is who. And don't okay. peek at the laptop. I, can't, I, I can't know you can see it from there. No, okay, I can't read it from there. All right, okay. Extra I may be young, one. but my eyesight isn't. There. Okay, I, I need to I need to mention that the Bluetooth is lagging to the PA. <laughs> Just to make this that little bit more tricky. Brilliant. That's proper prog that. Okay, let me try again. <laughs> okay. All right, okay, we got yeah. that. 
Have you got that despite all the all the juffery? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you have a, Don't tell me, but do you have an idea who that might be? Uh, I think so. No, okay. All right. Here's oh, two. Okay. Okay. So which, which mic was that? I reckon the first one was Mangini. Why? Uh, I don't want to say it unless it's wrong. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not giving the big reveal yet. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, so purely, so the reason why um, I don't actually dislike Mike Mangini that much, <laughs> but uh, I find his playing really robotic and the second one felt a lot looser than the first one. Um, but uh, there's so many different factors into it, like sound quality and things like that. Because um, the second one sounded great. But the second one was Mike Mangini. Ah, oh, I <laughs> knew it as I said it. <laughs> I'm going to play to you again, okay? Here's Paul yeah, okay. Okay, and here's Mike Mangini again. I'm, I'm going to have such a mission syncing these up with the real audio after. Oh, yeah. Here's Mike Mangini. <laughs> <Are> you <laughs> created a... Oh, yeah. See, it's so obvious once you know the answer, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I think just hearing them without the buffer on the, uh, oh. <laughs> the speaker as well. <laughs> just sounds like, to me, but in mind, I'm not a drummer. It sounds like they kind of want to play naked in the rain by the chilies. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> we should we should have vastly improved, improved proceedings, I expect. <laughs> um, how how yeah. do you? I mean, we are getting proper geeky, but how oh, yeah. how do you um, differentiate between that and Portnoy and a Mangini style? I mean, you, you said a little bit there. I always think hmm. you thought you spoke about being robotic. I always thought that Portnoy was more of a feel drummer and more yeah. of the blues ilk. Yeah, I totally agree with More that. More willing to improvise, whereas Mangini, he, I think he thinks about things so much. Yes, that it comes out incredibly precise. That exactly, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. So especially when you see them talk about like the parts and the kits and why they play stuff. So yeah, Mike is very much like ah, oh, it's just how it felt. Oh, when, right. you say, and, when you say Mike, so ah, uh, yeah, sorry, Portnoy. <laughs> <laughs> Michael number one, Portnoy. He's very like ah, oh, I just did this. Like the big one I think about was when I watched him do. Um, like a clinic, only on YouTube, um, where he did instrumentally. But oh, the, yeah. the kit was two drum kits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he plays the fill from one kit and he just keeps going. He stands up, walks around and plays the second kit. And I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. And he just did it because he thought it was cool. Um, well, he actually did it also because of the sounds of the different kits and the songs and that sort of stuff. Whereas, yeah, like you say, with Mangini, um, like if you watch his drum kit set up and how he talks about how he plays, he's like, I've got this drum here because of how I can play like ergonomically. And I like these up here because of how they sound specifically within this one really specific thing. Has he got like a symmetrical thing where you start in the middle and spread outwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and it's from what I can tell, I haven't really looked for a couple of years, but it's very much because of exactly how he plays. He just finds it, like it makes sense. It's easier to do a big roll through all of the different drums um, rather than like single strokes, right, left, right, left, from small to big. He does okay. uh, small, big, 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 big on each side okay. this is great for an audio podcast um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's like you say it's just yeah you summarised it well it's just very very precise and thought out yeah so alright okay okay so bearing that in mind okay alright so maybe Carl you might with that with that background information you might want to take part in this in the, in the I'll round try I'll try 
This is the outro to one of Dream Theater's big epic songs, which is finally free, which is one of the last tracks off um, from their proper prog album, Metropolis. Uh, Metropolis Part it. Two. Yeah, it's called. Cool. If you haven't heard that, it's an amazing album. It's it what, is, it was, yeah. yeah, for Dream Theater, um, it's got a lot of feel and a lot of songs in it, and it's really yeah, it's great. It's a great yeah. album. Um, okay, so one of these is going to be Portnoy and one of these <laughs> is going to be Mangini. And they're both live and it's how they interpret the big drum solo at the end of this song. Oh. There's this repeated bass, uh, keyboard and guitar that goes round and round and the drummers just get like let loose over the top. Just get off to smash in. John yeah. Myung. <laughs> oh yeah, I know my dream theater. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. I use this term very often to draw a thing. That was delicious. Do the noise you just made. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is number two. Number one again. Okay, okay. I'm not gonna ask for both again. Just number one. Okay, here's number one. I got, a, I got a feeling. throw a spanner in the works yes one of those guys was actually sting <laughs> <laughs> no can i say this though and i don't i, I from what i hear and i'm i am definitely no drumming whiz but i feel like the first drummer this time round was the second drummer last time round so work right. that out in your head. Okay, so my, Mangini was the second was the second drummer first time around. So you think Mangini was the first drummer second I time around? I think so. <laughs> Just from what I'm hearing, I don't know. I okay. I actually agree, but I mean, whatever I say, I did prefer the first one. Mm. I did, yeah. So I'll dig into that for a second. Um, yeah, I think, oh, Mangini first, Portnoy second. You are correct. Oh, <laughs> you are correct, and you preferred Mangini. I did. So the reason is um, because. Hence why I made very strange noises on that first one. <laughs> <laughs> That's getting sampled and put on the Roland. I am recording every word you say. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to my sample pack. Um, yeah, so his was, uh, well, actually, funny enough, very thought out, but he played a lot with implied time throughout that one, which is why I made noises, because that's my favourite drum thing in the world. Um, whereas Portnoy did very much feel like, oh, I'm just going to see what happens. Which is yeah. probably the case because he was in that band for years. Um, his felt a lot more, well, like we described, looser, 
um, and just kind of like jump, 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 jumps. Whereas actually, I preferred Mangini's. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah. Have I got to start sending you different memes over WhatsApp? <laughs> <laughs> I stand by everything I said about not liking Mangini. <laughs> okay, let's, let's proceed to round three. So round three is not from a dream theater performance. How dare These you. are extracts of their solos. Oh, okay. All right. So one of these will be Mangini. One of these will be one of these will be Portnoy, and they're both more modern recordings. Okay. Because obviously Portnoy hasn't oh, been yeah. in Dream Theater since over 10 years. We don't like to talk about it. No. Okay. <laughs> so this, this is a more modern recording. So. Yeah. So that, that'd be less of a clue there, I think. Um, all right. Here's number one. Now, just imagine you are a guest in a B&B in Portsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're laying down to rest and all you can hear is that. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. That was my childhood. <laughs> okay, here's number two. Okay. You looked like you knew that within two seconds. Oh, yeah. Seconds. I kind of knew that listening to the first one. Mangini 1, Portnoy 2. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go, go on. Lead us through it. Um, so, exactly, exactly, so exactly as I said for the last round, which is Mangini, you can pretty much like, you can listen to it and hear what he's playing. You can hear him think and go really precise. It's all lined up. Whereas Portnoy, straight away, it's like cowbell. He's using other percussive instruments. Um, he's, it feels like he's going with, again, let's just see what happens. Whereas Mangini feels like he planned it. Are you saying... You're saying like one's um, is well, one guy is pre-rehearsed. Yeah, he wants to know what he's going to be playing on the night. Whereas the other guy, pure feel. Let's get this. Yeah. Let's smash in. Let's get May in. not necessarily yeah. be true for the actual like what we're no, doing, yeah. but like which do you prefer, wise. Carl? Which do you prefer? I liked um, the my favorite thing out of all of those was the first drumming of the second <laughs> oh, bloody hell. <laughs> That was, okay, that was Mangini. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's where yeah. he was. That's where he was changing the tight. Yeah, uh, that vibe. Everything. Yeah, that. that, yeah. that I really like that vibe. So it's weird because I liked out of the two solos. Again, I actually preferred Mangini's because I did. I think I don't know if that's because I haven't literally heard his playing for I don't know how long. Um, but I liked knowing what he was playing and going. Oh, it's just that, and he's doing this, and you're making it sound really good. But I think where I don't like it is in the context of Dream Theatre. Right, where because it's with Portnoy for so long, and he, Portnoy was so very much like, here's the feel, here's like essentially my emotion in the song, and let's see what it sounds like. Whereas Mangini is not only replicating Portnoy's parts to please the fans, putting his own spin on it, which is very like, yeah. thought out and processed. Okay, mm. uh, the ra- the rain has started. By the way, listeners, if you're hearing this, should we should we talk in a lower tones. lower tone, lower mellow, yes, make it nice and chill with the rain. And if you, it smells of chlorine. <laughs> <laughs> the children are screaming. <laughs> um, I have always preferred Portnoy. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm the same. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, this, this, this is getting me like really dream theater specific, <laughs> but this is. But, but I feel like we're concluding. 
hours of conversation that Harry and I have had. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is like and maybe, maybe we could draw a line under this. And move <laughs> on something else. This but, is not an ending conversation. <laughs> um, I I think the. Um, Portnoy being based upon feel and like you said not really knowing what yeah. he's going to go next because he doesn't really know what's going to next it's always a little bit more exciting yeah and Dream Theater are such a precise band instrumentally with the drums and the keyboards and, and the guitar yeah it's nice to have that element of uh, almost like chaos I completely agree if, that, if that's the right word behind because because every performance would be different yeah um, and there'd be a little bit more swing in there it'd be less robotic it'll be more um, it'd be more natural feel and yeah. I think I miss that from Portnoy I know he's such a presence as well oh yeah like that blue beard is fantastic and also oh. with Man- when Mangini started playing they started using a click more yes it very much became like the precision well like you say with John Petrucci John, there's a lot of Johns in this band John Myung <laughs> um, and Jordan Rudez all yeah. the Jays they're all very precise people yeah. like you watch their walkthroughs and you can see them all thinking about everything mathematically if you will Whereas, yeah, like you say, Portnoy is just like, let's see what happens, guys. Yeah, Blah. and I think I think that's what that band needed. I haven't yeah. been nearly as interested in Dream Theater since he left. Yeah, it's a very different thing. Like, especially if you go to like, is it The Enemy Inside? Is that the album name of that one? Or one of the most recent, I think it was their first album. Or was it just Dream Theater? Yeah, just like Dream Theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that one, it felt like that was the missing link for the other guys of, right, here's now, we're just a precision band. Um, yeah. And I do like it, but it's separate from the old stuff because it's, it's really heavy and like, it's good. But very precise. I mean, there's so many other bands doing the precision thing. We talk about Periphery and Animals yeah, exactly. as Leaders and all this kind of the this new sound. wave of like yeah. prog metal. Yeah. Um, Tell me more about the old times, Grandpa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get off my lawn. I was going to say, I was going to say, these bands, I, what you're saying about this drummer who's um, a bit more chaotic, you know what I mean? That, that yeah. appeals to me massively, hugely. Yeah. yeah. Um, because do you get a sense of these bands are doing what they're doing for the sake of being, you know, me yeah. doing, you know, is, that, is there a sense of that? Or I think for me anyway, there was with Portnoy because he was the one, was he one of the founders of Dream Theater? It was, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So with that, they still had that original, like, we're just a band that started playing in like college or whatever it was. Um, whereas when they branched out to Mangini, again, this is very subjective, this is just my own opinion. Right. Um, when they branched out to Mangini, it then became like, the old Dream Theater and the new Dream Theater. Let's smash this out. Let's just make this as complicated as we possibly yeah. can for the sake of making it, yeah. you know what I mean? And this but is how we're going to do it. Yeah. Whether it's the right thing to do or not, I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard, isn't it? It's a yeah. tricky one. It's like um, the guy, new guy at work is introducing me to a lot of music because we do, we have these Anything Goes Fridays oh, nice. playlists, which I'm looking forward to tomorrow. But um, <laughs> and I'm just like, Will you be wow. putting any Dream Theater on it? I will, I will now. <laughs> I will now because I'm curious. Just drop Because I haven't, I haven't really gone there, to be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, on a technical level, um, those two drummers we just mentioned there. Uh-huh. Um, where does because we had an evening, three of us together, where we saw oh, yeah. Tool. I will just say, actually, the last time I saw you both in in the same setting, there was Tool in the same room. That's right, Tool. Where are the they? Where are they now? Yeah, where are they? Where <laughs> there's they there's an expectation that <laughs> Tool should be in the room. <laughs> that would be a nice thing to look forward to. <laughs> every time we get together, I, I think Tool have enough. Issues getting in the same room themselves. Yeah, let, let alone in <laughs> the room with us three. It took them this long. Yeah. <laughs> but where does where does Danny Carey sit on a on a technical oh, level? Oh wow, he's that stratosphere. He's what, way above, beyond. above those two. Oh, way above. Yeah. Wow, okay. So oh, is he? Yeah. Wow. Like, but very subtly, and that's what makes him amazing. So there's a great video when obviously Tool came came back, if you will. Um, Vic Firth, one of the drumstick makers, yes. stuck a bunch of GoPros on Danny Carey's kit. It's got millions of views. It's on YouTube. It's been is out it for a couple Numa, of years. Numa is the track, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they started yeah. releasing a few. But um, that was when we could actually start seeing properly what he was doing behind the kit. 
Um, and seeing not only his coordination between his four limbs, how easily he does it. And he makes sounds on triggers and things like that. And they're all different sounds on one pad. Mm. So he's thinking he's doing loads of different stuff at the same time with ease. They with call him the octopus, don't they? Yeah. For good reason. Oh, yeah. yeah. So for me anyway, he sits. So like, earlier earlier when you mentioned about playing a beaten five yeah. and making it fit, Danny Carey is that guy? No. No? That's a good question. So okay. again, it's, again, very subjective and people may disagree and they should. Um, <laughs> so um, in my mind, the list, like Vinny's top of the top. Like he, you don't get better than Vinny. You can, but people tend to not. Um, because he simply has mastered so many things. He's not jack of all trades. He's basically master of all trades. Um, hence why he could do the Sting album and then go on to a super heavy album and then go to a pop album and this sort of stuff. Whereas Danny is very, again, in my opinion and my knowledge, is like tool is the thing. He can do loads of stuff, uh, but because he's the tool drummer, yeah. he's Danny Carey. Um and then it will be the the mics <laughs> underneath that. <laughs> the mics. <laughs> I've just been introduced to the mics. Really. Yeah, the lovely couple. Yeah, bloody lovely chaps. Yeah. <laughs> but so so are we? Are you saying essentially uh-huh. that the pinnacle of of the best drummer you could be? Yeah. is someone who has mastered all the technique, but has all the feel. I feel like that was kind of the question that. If I was super famous, that would be in all the papers the next day. <laughs> Harry Younger said this. Um, for me, me personally, yeah. But that's purely because of my upbringing and the drums and yeah. how I learned it. And I'm a very, like, I like the techni- technical side of stuff. I'm not really like, let's see what happens. I'm very much like, let's do this. Um, for me, being a master of all of the things is is the goal. Yeah. I'd love to be a Vinny. Um, compared to someone, I, I'm going to say compared to like Danny, who is a master at so much, but also has the creativity for the original stuff. Yeah. Um, he's a great combination of the two. Yeah, for me anyway. Um, where, does, where does Steve Gadd fit into this? I was going to ask that. Oh, sorry. I knew, right. I knew it was coming. I, I can feel it. Because I was seeing one of the video, one of the best drumming videos I've ever seen is Steve Gadd. I don't I can't, I've got to yeah. find it again. It was years and years and years ago, and I can't even remember who showed me. But he does this, he's doing a solo. Yeah. And the fucking kit is rocking. Oh, yeah. And he's playing some samba shit. And yeah. it's like, but the kit is wobbling. <laughs> he's playing it so hard. And it was so incredible to watch. And I'm yeah. like, this is nuts. It was so it was so emotive and all yeah. feel and all sweat. Just, and t- it was... Yeah, that sounds like Steve. I say that. <laughs> what I'm now just about to say will contradict what I just said. Um, so Steve Gadd, I've always known that he's been a legend, but I've never, I've just kind of accepted that fact. I've never really dived into it yeah. until it was at Turner Sims, actually, that he was with, I think it was a trio. Yeah, we went to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was sat front row, like two metres away from Steve Gadd. Um, and that's, yeah, that was bonkers. And that was where I was like, oh, this guy, this guy can really play. Who is this guy? This Stephen. What can he do? <laughs> Stephen Gad. He's got two D's in his last name. <laughs> what is this? Oh, yeah, preposterous. Um, but that was when I was like, okay, yeah, I should. I know everyone's been saying it. I know about him and his playing and stuff like that, especially with Steely Dan. Um, I was like, I should probably dive into this further. And then, yeah, so he's very much, um, if you want something to feel great, it's Steve Gad. Um, but that's just because he's just a lovely human being. Yeah. He's a great player. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's about... I think that's for me musically everything personalities yes. spilling into the instrument is yeah. is everything I aspire towards and yeah. and love yeah and what I'd loved about Steve Gadd so during 
the 2020 lockdown, there was uh, one of the guys that worked at Graham Russell's, a guy called Russ Gleason, set up a thing called Zoom Drum Hangs, where basically he'd just get in touch with all the really famous drummers and be like, do you want to just hang out on a Zoom link? It's not recorded. Um, it's just, just a bunch of drummers in, hanging out. Just get in touch with them. Yeah, yeah just be like, hey, man. Yeah. But he could, because he was the, like, the events guy at yeah, Graham Russell. Cool. So, yeah, he had their contacts. <laughs> um, they put on the Geek at Simon Simmons, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he like, took all those contacts and built this thing. But it meant that all, we could all just hang out with guys like Steve Gadd and Vinny on Zoom that we'd never be able to do before. So I remember the Steve Gadd one was incredible because it started and obviously you're looking on Zoom and you're like, that's Steve Gadd. He's right there. That's Stephen Gadd. Um, and like he was, obviously all the questions are like, how do you play this? How do you do this? On this album, what did you play? But at one point, someone else demonstrated something and you could see Steve like click and be like oh do that again that was really good and like write it down and be like oh, how should you do and like play on the pad yeah. but it was this really like oh you're this incredible player but you're still learning, still learning. from just normal it. drummers like us love it uh, that that was a really like That's amazing it. experience because normally it's just like look how amazing i am i play drums yeah. but steve was just yeah this really humble guy just lovely yeah I was, i'll never forget that i'm trying i'm gonna have to seek that video out again try and find the link because I remember some red kit. Yeah, the Yamaha. Going between, yeah. the, going between the snare and the, the toms. And they're just going, wobble, wobble. And he's sm- <laughs> yeah. It's like, and I'm like, you know, Joey Jordison doesn't make a kit move that much. <laughs> and he's not playing bloody samba. You know what I mean? It was, I was just blown away. I will say there have been some stages with Chic to Chic that my drum kit has wobbled. Oh, yes. that much. Has it? Yeah. yeah. Can I can I call myself Steve Gadd? That's yes. Smash it. What, what was making it wobble? Uh, so some rises only drummers will know this really uh, when drum rises are either been there for too long or just not really structurally safe um, they'll like all the boards will wobble yes and you get one tom and everything's like Ew. yeah more chaos oh Bring lots it. of chaos it's great when I watch my playback laptop slowly edge towards the edge of the stage <laughs> going oh I should move that back okay I've got one more drummer to throw at you okay oh, um, German okay Benny Grab. Oh, stop oh. it. He's my favourite drummer. Oh, hold, whoa, whoa, hold, oh. On, hold on, hold on. You've literally just changed your mind in five minutes. No, well, okay. <laughs> okay. Hold on just a minute. So ability-wise, I'd like to be like Vinny Collieta. But my favourite drummer, like all round, everything about them is, is Benny. Were you, at, were you at the Turner Sims for that uh, one? Yeah, front row. Again, two metres away. Amazing. Just going. Oh, uh, we went, didn't we? Yes. It was, ah, so we were in the same room. We didn't yeah, know same it. Yeah, same room. Oh, that's nice. And yeah, because I was queuing up to meet him. Tool, weren't there? Yeah. Said he, I said that. I was a drummer. That's why we didn't know. And you were 15 people behind me in the queue saying, don't talk to him, Benny, he's a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was really wrong? actually ripped into bass players. <laughs> I think we had no, there was a lot, there was probably more bass players in the room than drummers that night, to be fair. Did he talk to you? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because I was with Boyd, and, you know, him and Boyd are like, oh yeah, they met him. Yeah, that's amazing. He was yeah. amazing. Yeah, he really is. So there's, it was, I've never, I've never known, it was almost like a, a, a lesson in, mathematical feeling oh yeah incredible yeah and it's also he's just a really funny guy yeah yeah he's just a yeah. nice human being a really funny charisma yeah. but that comes through in his playing it's like you're yeah. saying about uh, Steve Gadd and his personality coming through in the way he presents himself yeah that's it yeah yeah feel personality is it Chad, that's why I think I like Chad Smith even though <laughs> no disrespect to the Chili's they've done the same thing for a very <laughs> long long time now, yeah and they're getting on a bit and all that sort of stuff I still I just I just love what they do yeah just, it's, you hear some drums and it's Chad Smith. Yeah. You, you, know, like you, know, you know what it. I mean? You hear this, it's Marco Miniman. Oh, stop it. Oh, is he your favourite drummer? 
Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, only I only mention him because when I mentioned Paul Gilbert earlier on and, and Jackhammer, yeah, it's not any of the mics. It's Marco. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, I looked him up. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Marco Minimum's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, with like uh, Chad Smith. So I was really lucky that he did a masterclass at ACM oh, wow. a couple okay. of years ago. Um, but I remember walking up to the campus and looking like down the road and be like, oh. That's Chad, That's Chad Smith. And he was <laughs> hanging he, out. Is he massive? Uh, <laughs> not as big as, like, not as big as his personality in a really yeah. positive yeah. way, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was just hanging out in this random road in London with yeah. two students at the time, just, just smoking away, just there, just chatting with them. And then what I found really funny about that, though, was when I walked in and watched him play, um, obviously he smashed the drums as Chad does. He sounds like Chad. And then he did like a Q&A. So all of us went upstairs in the campus, sat in the room, and there was a chair at the front, and we're just waiting for Chad to walk in. And first thing we see is these two giant bodyguards wow, walk really? in. Yeah, like wow. huge Chad, guys. Smith. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, like first walk in, they like check the room, quick glance over, and then Chad walks in, sits down. Mm. The bodyguard sort of stands, just looking. But what I found amazing about that is that they were there, like move, moving him around, basically in this campus. But yet he still stood outside with these two students, just hanging out. Uh, yeah. um, but that's because that's just very Chad Smith. He's just yeah. that kind of guy that just wants to hang out and please everybody in, again probably, in a positive way he was probably sc- uh, scoping for a karaoke bar <laughs> yeah do you guys know where the next karaoke him, bar is apparently him and Dave Grohl whenever they get together they, they hit as many karaoke bars it. as they can yeah I can see it <laughs> it's crazy but there's like, no yeah, doubt in my mind that doesn't happen that's, that's great so have, you, have your use because like Chad Smith would be a use favourite for me you know what yeah. I mean and no matter what he does nowadays I've got this whole young years of which has tainted my feelings yeah. towards him. I just love that band, you know what I mean? All that sort of stuff. And there's multiple bands like that. Have you got any bands like that from your youth that you, no matter what they do, it's just gold? It's just... Strangely, no. No? Actually, yeah. So where I was saying earlier where I never really had like a big influence growing up, I just liked to play stuff. Um, that meant that I never had an influence growing up. So uh, I never had that. of sevenfold. Well, even, well, I mean, even now I kind of listen to that stuff. I'm like, oh, the vocals are a bit whiny and... Oh, this sort of stuff yeah so cool. that's what's really interesting that's cool like, I, yeah. like that. I like so that so my my uh, like the things I enjoyed it change as I grow and what my what I'm into yeah so what are you listening to right now mm. uh, that's a very good question at the moment uh, I was introduced to uh, a couple of Bruford albums which are proper fusion and ridiculous mm-hmm. is that Bill yeah good old right. Bill um, at the moment I'm going through a weird phase of I just don't know what to listen to like nothing's yeah. really Tickling that musical thing. Mm. Fiction Plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two Sisters by Fiction Plane. It rocks. It rocks. <laughs> Everyone listen to it. And I have to drive past Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> and he will be my favourite drummer. No, that's good. But but you're because you're a multi-instrumentalist, yes. you don't necessarily pick out great drum stuff to listen to you, you, know uh, what I, mean? you don't, yeah, I know what you mean but I actually kind of know you, actually no? yeah so I always drums are always first that's always right. the first thing I listen to um, it's strangely it's well it's all the instruments and if it doesn't have vocals it's kind of better it's like when Aiden we, yeah. we talk about Dream Theatre whenever James Labrie leaves the stage that's good that's a good time <laughs> <laughs> whenever those 20 minute instrumentals I'm there <laughs> that's the good shit <laughs> what, what were you listening to on the car on the way over um, what was I listening to I think it was just po- at the moment it's just podcasts. Um, yeah, I'm just very podcasty at the moment. Do you, are you like me that you spend because you spend your whole daytime listening to music? Yeah, 
that actually listening to a podcast is a bit of a relief. Yeah, especially of, yeah, after reset a day your ears and reset your brain. Yeah, and then, I, yeah. I, I often ask you about that. Do you know? Do you ever get that uh, exasperated with too much music? I need a break. You know, like I get exasperated with too much signage. <laughs> and I need a break. You get home as though he's got the cutting machine out. You're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Jesus. <laughs> I've had this all bloody day. <laughs> I can't make any more decals. <laughs> no, but, but like, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, any new any new bands you've been interested in? introduced to recently or oh this question's a, a fun one but like, why don't we kind of been sorry to interrupt but don't be, i'm right in thinking that <laughs> you're such a busy man that when you listen to music it's usually because you're preparing for a gig or you oh, have like, to, yeah. I was just, yeah, or you're so revising then. or you're researching or like, lots to learn yeah it's Got really it. annoying for my spotify rewind yeah. every year i'm like <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah. half accurate I like, <laughs> I, yeah yeah a lot of time it is that and and i think it does a lot of the time i'm very specific in um what i want to listen to at that time so if I don't feel like feel anything listening to that music, um, then straight away that'll be like, nah, move on to the next genre, try a different genre. What am I like looking for in this song? Mm-hmm. Um, which is yeah, like after a long day of like teaching or something, I know that uh, podcasts nine times out of ten, I'll just be able to turn off and enjoy to. Um, whereas if I'm listening to music, there's always a little part of me that's analysing it, um, not necessarily neg- negatively. But it means that I don't have that click to that particular song at that time, which makes mm-hmm. it just quite hard to listen to music. So in the nature in podcasts, what sporting ones? Uh it's a mix. So I like um oh. my favourite ones are the ones that I can just kind of they're just it's like people talking. They're just talking about random stuff. Yep. Um I'm such, a big, such as. <clears throat> so what? Such as. K and A podcast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Um it's like I'm a big Formula One guy, so I love Formula One podcast. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I never knew that about you. Yeah, oh, so I grew up. The learning. Oh, yeah, yeah. We spent so much time talking about Mike Mandini. <laughs> Could have been talking Mike about is- Mike <laughs> Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> I see what we did there. That was good. Um, yeah, so my dad's uh, always watched it as we grew up. And I was kind of, in, obviously, that was at the stage where I was discovering music. So I was like, it was always there, but I was never into it, into it. Um, and my brother's always been into it because he's not musical at all. Um and only it was when, and some people may hate me for saying this, but it was when Drive to Survive came out. I watched oh, yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that, and that, but that rekindled my original sort of like that childhood memory and or love I didn't know I had. Um, so when I did then go back to watching the races and all that stuff, I actually really, really enjoyed it. And that was that too. I, I found the Netflix series more entertaining than the actual sport. A lot of people did, but that's what got people into the sport. And at the end of the day, that's as long as people enjoy it. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Is this sad? Um, yes. My my only link to uh, Formula One racing yeah. is that I've just had to learn the chain. Oh yeah, well that, yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a covers band I've joined, so like there's a whole extra three minutes I never knew about. Yeah, like, what is this? I want just the big bit. Dude, yeah, there was the start bit. Shit. Why can't I just play the cool baseline? <laughs> So there's a Formula One podcast to listen to, is it? Yeah, it's called Pit Stop, and okay, it's basically cool. just two. It's funny. The reason why I like it is actually because it's not the. Uh, like analytical people that have been doing Formula One for years and they're really like, rare. Um, it's just two guys that watched Drive Survive when it first came out and they're like, ah, this is quite cool. We're going to watch the race. And basically they just start podcasting about it. So they talk about it, but they learn along the way. So as they learn what things mean and how the races work and why certain people do stuff, um, they talk about it. So it means that where I'm getting back into it and I need to refresh all sort of the memory on that, mm. it means that I can learn with them and they're really goofy about it. So it was like, I think in one of the podcasts, they actually asked someone like Lewis Hamilton, so what do you do? 
and that sort of stuff. <laughs> so, it, so it just means that they ask the questions. Brilliant. That, yeah, that like people they're men wouldn't. after my own heart. They're, yeah. they're like proper captain obviouses. So, right. so what does that button do on the what, steering wheel? Why do you have this? And it's great because they ask the questions that no like real Formula One like heavy guy would ask. Yeah. Hold yeah. so cool. on. Yeah. I love the. I always remember finding out. Um, the rules change every year. Yeah. And that, and that is a really integral part of what happens and who can win and all that sort of stuff. I remember finding that out and yeah. thinking, that's strange, isn't it? You know what I mean? But never been a Formula One guy. Yeah, rally rally nice. driving. Oh, that's bonkers. I love watching rally driving. I've only ever seen like clips of it. Oh, and it's, it's just carnage. Brilliant. Yeah. They never go forwards. <laughs> never go straight. The car is always sideways everywhere. Yeah. It's like, ah! And it's this chaos. I drive Love down it. a country road in the Lake District. I'm like, right, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so uh, one thing I'd, I would like to talk to you about. My favourite colour is green. Oh, okay. Yeah. End of podcast. Um, <laughs> is the fact that you, I, as far as I can tell. I'm just saying, but for yeah. the audio <laughs> listeners, Carl is leaving. Right. Uh, so you've seen there the, the symbol that Carl makes that we talk about when he needs a wing. Describe it in detail. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, describe it in I'll detail. Be I'll be back. All right. Well, no, this is the H&A podcast now. <laughs> um, so you, you graduated from ACM. Yes. With flying colours, I expect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, first, yeah. And then you, you started teaching at ACM. So kind of, yeah. I, I started with, uh, so yeah, I graduated. Um, at that point, I was already depping for one of my tutors at the time, actually, Toby Drummond, who I'm a really close friend with now um, and work with you know, all the time. Um, so I was definitely with some function stuff with him. So I was already kind of in the industry, but I wasn't, I was still kind of finding my way. So it got to, I graduated in, it was like July, I think. And then it got to September and I got a message, I think from just one of the, the staff at ACM saying, do you mind just hopping in and being part of the tutor band? Which mm-hmm. is basically one of the assessments is that the students have to learn a song and musical direct a song, but they have to do it with a tutor band so they can do it with real life musicians. Um, so I was just the drummer for that. And then I kind of got on their radar. And then about a year later, so I graduated graduated in 2017. I started working there. It would have been 2018 going into 2019. Wow. Um, because I just got a message from Toby actually saying, could you mind covering one of my classes? I was like, yeah, why not? See what happens. Because I was teaching in primary schools at the time and I really enjoyed it. So I just joined one of the other tutors at ACM on diploma and we taught this band skills class. And then it basically, they just didn't stop hiring me. The <laughs> student becomes the master. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's basically ever since then, I was really lucky that I didn't have to go through like the staff audition process, if you will. Um, okay. They just, yeah, just kept on wanting me back and then put me on the, the timetable. And yeah, now I'm here four years later. So I bet, I bet the students... You know, your current students love having a tutor that is not 20 years older than, 13 uh, years yeah, older than really that, close in age, more, more relatable. And I, I like that too, actually. And that was one of the big things of why I teach. So I love teaching. And that's in the last few years where I found that actually that is what I really enjoy doing. Um, and being that relatable for those students means that it's a little bit less terrifying for them yeah. being finding this music industry thing and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it works in my favour in that sense where I'm really lucky for that. But now where I'm starting to hit the threshold of, I graduated like five years ago, um, the industry obviously changes and I'm starting to become a little bit older. Um, not that old, but a lot older than them. Um, the gap's increasing, but it means that at least I still have that 
knowledge and the experience of being a student and knowing what it's like to be taught there and then being a tutor and knowing what it's like to teach there. Yeah. It means I can just full circle and I know how they feel and yeah, which, which, is, which is massive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's just, it's, and at the end of the day, it's also there at that point. Why I like teaching degree specifically so much is because they're all adults. So it just means that there's a level of everyone's an adult in the room. So you can just have a little bit more fun with it. That sounds really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you can <laughs> you can relax a little bit basically because it's yeah. it's everyone's at the same goal. We all want to know the same thing. Um, I'm just sort of opening that door for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and then we have a bit of a. A sneak preview into something you've been working with, Roland. Yes. Which I, which I would love to hear more about. Oh, okay, yeah. So, about a year ago, um, well, okay, I'll preface this by saying, in a lot of contemporary colleges, um, the way it's taught is still very traditional. So, very much like you'll have, if I talk about drummers, for example, you'll have um, like band skills, which is great, working in a band, and you can experience that in a safe environment. But the rest of it is all skills modules, where it's, here's how to play the technical side of drums which is fine, but that content really hasn't really changed and won't really change um, for years because it, it just is that. Um, the industry's changed. So when I left and graduated, when I was in function bands, the first thing that I almost had to do was how do I play drums but also replicate sounds I'm hearing on the record? Like Car Wash by Rolls Royce is a classic function song, but I need to have that clap sound because mm-hmm. it's iconic. So how do I do that? And that's with sampling and that sort of stuff. And I sort of stumbled into sampling and... Um, like Ableton playback and electronics with drums just kind of by accident because I'm really curious about stuff and I wonder how stuff works. So I always did that. Um, but it turns out that that is a very niche subject that not many people know how to do, or at least there's no sort of online instruction on how to do it. And everyone needs to do it if they're going to be a session drummer. Um, so yeah, basically I got asked by Toby, um, I'm, you know, he said to me, I'm looking to create this module. Um, you know what you're doing. Can you write this module? And I said, yes. Um, Long story short, we got in touch with Roland and we're saying, we're creating this thing. No one else has done it before. Would you want to support that, essentially? And they're like, yes, this is exactly what we're looking to do. So a year goes by, I've authored this course. I'm actually now seven, eight weeks into this course. Um, It's the first ever hybrid drum course. And it's my own degree module, which is terrifying to say, but also really amazing to say. And yeah, Roland have got a full support. They sent uh, all three campuses at the moment. Like they kitted out all the equipment, they sent us everything, um, and they've been really supportive. So I'm now working with. Have Roland. we got one of these units in our very lodge right now? We do indeed. Oh. This is the brand new. But you've turned it off. I did. Yeah, turned the lights are really bright. On. Okay, fine. You might get a little pop, so you're gonna have to let that out. Um, this is great for the audio podcast. So there's a Roland logo on the screen. <laughs> all of the, the lights are, really are lighting cool. up. Yeah, they are really cool actually. <laughs> there's a fun story about this. So when I went to Roland HQ. Um, I think it was back in August. Uh, this hadn't been announced. So this was only announced um, in a couple of months ago. Uh, so what I'm talking about is the Roland SPDSX Pro. What there was before this is the Roland SPDSX, which is about 10 years old. It's super old. It's amazing, but it's super old. Um, and they hadn't updated or talked about it for years. And then, so when I went to Roland HQ to talk with them, just about stuff. So in, amazing. in layman's terms, yes. for those who are listening who may not be drummers or of even course. musicians, yes. what is next and what, 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 what? In its simplest form, it is basically a big black box with nine hittable rubber pads on it. Those pads are connected to a computer, and that computer then produces a sound. So if you had a but clap the computer's sound, inside the, the, the it's inside the box. Yeah, yeah so okay. it's a full, so it's all inclusive like thing. A triggering system. Exactly. You'd, you'd hit a, yeah. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I can load in any sound I want, and then trigger that sound immediately uh, in a very self-contained box. So while I was talking about car wash and create a clap sound, I can now do that 
um, and loads of other things uh, with this box. And that's what is a very industry standard. So you'll see it all the way from a pub gig all the way up to arena tours. It's a very like industry standard, which is why Roland are the company we like, chose to go with. Um, so yeah, in August, I went to Roland's HQ to talk with them. And John, the most amazing A&R in the world, he basically came up and said, guys, I've got something to show you. He was really excited. I was like, okay. Um, he led myself and Toby into this room at Roland's HQ. And he was like, right, so you're going to need to sign this NDA before we show you this. And I can talk about this now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was like, okay, what, what's he showing us? I'm at Roland's HQ and he's signing my life away. Um, I was like, right, signed it, shut the door. He opened this box and he pulled out the SPDSX Pro, which obviously they hadn't released is at the time. Yeah, so this is this Whoa. here, yeah. The brand new thing. So he showed me that a month early before release, two months early. Um, and being the big fan of electronics and stuff that I am, Obviously, I'm just so excited. And as I'm building this course and stuff like that, I can't talk about it because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm legally not allowed to. Um, so that was the, a very difficult month and a half knowing that Roland are going to release this huge thing. Um, and then, yeah. So has it been massive it. since it's been released? Has it been? Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, I want to say yes. But the the reason this product exists because it solves a lot of the problems that the SPDSX had. Right. Um, they're both still being sold. This isn't like a, a replacement for it. It's just sort of the... If you need more features, go for this one. And how, how much would one of these set you back? This will cost you about a thousand pounds. Bloody hell! Yeah, they're very expensive. Yeah, so don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my Roland. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, in, in summary, that's that's what I'm doing with Roland. Um, and yeah, it's it's from our knowledge, it's one of the first ever hybrid courses, um, and you, that in itself has caused me a lot of imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> So with this tool, yeah, you could essentially go out. Wait, we're still talking about the Roland, aren't we? With uh, yes. <laughs> you could go out with just that tool. Yeah, so and that's for, you could yeah. have a. You've got nine pads. Your bottom left pad could be a kick drum. Your top left could be. You you can basically put any sound into exactly triggers. Can you put? Um, I notice a lot of guys nowadays like doing drum and bass yeah. sort of music with, and they're actually putting like. Three second sort of samples. Yeah. So they like they'll they'll hit a trigger and it'll go and then they'll I'll hit it again on time. So it'll just loop, 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 loop. You know what I mean? And I'll find you one right now. You got it's some good. There's some good shit going down. Oh yeah. So it's like make, it's making this exactly that's a bad that. one. But they're Hush making that. it's making music more accessible to people. Yeah, exactly that. It's just it's stupid stuff. And you got that's it. Yeah, and so on. But you use that it in, might not be in the band. Free. We're in together. You use it to, to um, start backing tracks. And yeah, backing tracks and things. So it also talks to the computer. Yeah. So this is where it gets really exciting. And uh, so it basically acts as yeah, a computer. I'm going to turn this off. You might get a pop in your ears. There's no pop so far. Oh, good. That's all cool. Good job, Roland. Um, yeah. So I use this as a MIDI controller as well, which basically means I can plug it into the my laptop and then suddenly control Ableton. Yes. Um, so with Chic to Chic, it means that I've now got control over the full playback rig, all the clicks and everything like that from just hitting a pad. Yeah. Um, so with that, it also means I can put external triggers around the kit. So it suddenly means where this would sit. Um, it's a big box with nine pads and it has to sit in a specific place on the kit. Um, it's completely up to the player but it means you have to turn your full body to play it wherever it is. Mm. So by having external pads, I can have that within the drums and make it feel natural and then still control technology without having to turn and try and play with a laptop halfway through a gig. Um, and that's what I do with Chic to Chic. And that's what you find a lot of um, a lot of pop gigs have that now, where mm. they'll have Ableton rigs and different things. So when you say hybrid rig, it means like acoustic and electronic at yeah. the same time. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. Yeah. 
It's exciting. This is the future, isn't it? It's the future. Yeah. It's good. There is um there is a band there was a band in um Australia called Chaosolate. Nice. They were a drum and bass band. Oh. Um and it was it was incredible. They had a, 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 what I believe would be an older a lot yeah. older version of that. And he would play it was it was it was brilliant. It was almost like whenever he needed to bring the noise, bring the yeah. big beat, he would use the acoustic kit. But when he needed the trap sounds and the Yeah sort of he would jump onto one of those. And yeah. I do remember. But it's exactly what you described. He yeah. would like he'd physically have to be facing that one, and then when then there'd be this little gap where he'd switch over to the big exactly, kit, exactly. Yeah, bring in the bring in the big balls. You know what I mean? And as a drummer, that's really annoying. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> there's a great story where um, I can't remember what drummer it was. I mean, there's a lot of them, but when these were like first, like electronics were first kind of coming into music, um, they used to have all of the samples, like Danny Carey's, uh, where he's got the big synth rack behind him. Mm-hmm. It'll be that but it'll be filled with uh, basically computers and floppy disks. Wow. Um, and there'll be stories of doing like an hour gig, but the tech would have to swap out all the floppy disks every two <laughs> songs because <laughs> they can only hold that much. It's mental, isn't it? Yeah, it's How great. we've come on. <laughs> good job, everybody. <laughs> yeah, good job, world. <laughs> so it's, it's massively flown by again as it does every time. We've, gone, we've been talking for an hour and a half. Good Lord. An hour and a half. Uh, unless, unless I'm just saying, but this Phil's podcast was two hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say unless you've edited something out, and it's even less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been. Thank you for having it, joining us. Thank you for having Harry, me. I, I know yeah. you've got to shoot off because you need your beauty sleep because you've got a big day tomorrow. I do. That, all of that is factually correct. Tomorrow, a lot of teaching tomorrow. Right? Yeah. So tomorrow is my 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. day. <gasps> um, three sets of three-hour lectures. And I pretty much see almost every student on the degree level. So it's a big it's nine day. hours of teaching. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's breaks in there as well, but yeah, it's a wow. pretty hefty day tomorrow. Okay. It's a great day though because right. I get to see. Everything. We are going to finish on our outro song. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, have, you, have you got anything prepared, Carl? Because you, you oh, brought no. lyrics for the first. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even prepare the, prepare the start thing. All your lyrics have gone to that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll read them backwards. <laughs> Turn it upside down. Um, no. All right. What options have you got on your amazing turn device it on there? Just a minute. It takes a minute to load. It's a lot of computing power here. So, um, I love it. I love that. I love the idea that it, I love the fact that I could go. <laughs> Aiden could sample that. Oh, really yeah. He could. I mean, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and he could stick that on that machine. And every time you hit that pad number nine. Oh, yeah, it's great. So, okay. it goes, Our next gig goes, is Skegness Butlins, Harry. I want to hear that. I'm going to send it to you. I want to hear it. Send it to me immediately. <laughs> it could be two and a half thousand people hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> so what I've got like uh... does that work for you Aiden? yeah I can give you something well, I can give you a uh... what else should I go for uh, I can give you timbales and congas or Ooh. tablet oi no don't I'll do an Indian accent that'd be, <laughs> that'd be really bad <laughs> I already feel bad about the song last last week. I sang about an armless guy falling off a swing. Well, thank you for having me on your last ever podcast. That's good. Don't just get yeah, move. You are complicit, Harry. Move away from the tablet. Yeah, what do you want? I got I got a lot. Uh, nah, that's boring. Oh, this is great. I could do this all we night. Can, oh, just yeah. Listen to what you got. This is when I got this for the first time. I spent five minutes time. Yeah, I can imagine. Just yeah, that one. That yeah. one. Move it on. I'll get. Oh. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't 
messing with the broke, broke. <laughs> I ain't saying she a gold digger. We've got this thing. It's like Sting. He got balls that he sits on, you know? He doesn't do his yoga in the snow because he likes to float. He got this thing in his church. Sting's not religious. Dirigious. Let's take, a, let's take a pause on the music making. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> I had this vision of Eminem <laughs> punching me in the face. Get off my rhyme. I believe it was. I believe it was the richest. <laughs> oh, oh, we can't finish on this. I don't know. That's pretty good. <laughs> give, give, give us another beat. Okay. Oh, brilliant. I don't know what the richest. That's basically. <laughs> it's. I don't know what it means. <laughs> Uh... Oh. <laughs> Think Mike Mangini. <laughs> My favorite drummer. I like real estate. I'm like a realtor. <laughs> We've been talking about dream theater. <laughs> Only get two rhymes before I laugh. Whoa! Oh yeah. Alright. We've got the end of the world coming. Here it comes. Go. There it goes. The world just ended. <laughs> oh why Eminem is gonna punch me in the face. Might be at his place, might be at my place. Cause my rapping vocals are a disgrace. Come on. Mm. Yeah, wicky bobo, licky ding dang with the wing wang. <laughs> I was one of it, Anthony Kiedis there. Oh, I'm stopping now. You, you guys roll it out. <laughs> James Bond chord. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Good job, good job. There's one patch on here called the smear hit. Oh, let's hear that. I want to oh. hear a smear hit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>